you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. On this episode, we head into the Daunt, reunite with Petra, and track down Aaron. Welcome to episode 36 of Lightkeeper Protocol. Welcome to Lightkeeper Protocol, a podcast about our journey through Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. My name is Jarrett, but you can call me Ja, and I am here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. And I'd like to welcome any new listeners as well as any returning listeners. Thank you guys very much for taking the time to check out Lightkeeper Protocol. And we hope to have you join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. We do have Horizon Zero Dawn and Forbidden West channels. There, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the game and the show. So, you know, please join us in Discord. So, what did we talk about last time? Well, we talked about Meridian to a degree, right? Like, we went back to Meridian. We met up with Blameless Mirai because we thought he'd be able to help us uh, find silence. But he had his own problems to deal with. Uh, mainly the fact that the sphere that we left in the Hades module sent a signal from said spear actually it's in the signal from uh the the spire well Aloy checks it out finds out uh you know about silence ruse like why he actually gave her the spear which is a trick he wanted it to capture hades which he did and now he's in the forbidden west and he's like come find me bro you know so that's <laughs> what we <laughs> that's what we talked about last time on top of also meeting up with uh, a couple old friends like Vanash and Uthid and uh, Avad who's still making terrible decisions, terrible relationship decisions. With new with so. new hand motions. With new hand motions, yes. And so then we saw is, um Itaman and Nasadi, is that her name? Nasadi, yeah, his, his mom. mom. Yeah. Yeah. Which might be the first time some of you saw them because that was definitely a side <laughs> quest. Uh, so, well, actually, no, I guess technically speaking, you do see them in the main quest. It would have been the first time you see Uthid. That is, a, that would have been the first mm-hmm. time you see Uthid. So, there you go. So, Aloy, she uh, ditches Varl and she heads west uh, the long way, as we said <laughs> last episode. And if you missed it on Twitter, we did post the picture of the actual path she took minus i think some of the minus the alteration that we made right so my beautiful yeah. original map yeah uh, christina's that beautiful I made original paint. map <laughs> <laughs> so uh but yeah so that's uh what what happened uh goes west and then she comes across an elevator that's going to get her into the daunt so you know in this episode we're going to head into the daunt we're actually going to be starting the quest to the brink so let's hear about what happens in the first part of To the Brink. Aloy heads west until she comes to a lift. The lift operator, Karn, tells her that he has been instructed not to operate the lift due to a machine infestation in the valley. He needs to wait until he hears the whistle from Chainscrape, an Osram settlement in the Daunt. Aloy tells Karn she'll get down there even if she has to crank the lift herself, and Karn agrees to take her down, if only to make sure the lift gets back up. On the lift, Karn explains to Aloy that bristlebacks appeared in the valley out of nowhere. They aren't native to the Daunt, 
and no one knows where they came from. He tells Aloy that Alvind, the self-appointed boss of Chainscrape, has declared a work stoppage, and that the embassy won't happen anytime soon due to the Karja Sun Priest, who is supposed to lead it, refusing to go to Baron Light. Once Aloy touches down, she meets the Karja Sun Priest, Stewardess Buadis, and his vanguard escort, Jurov. Buadis quotes scripture to Aloy, stating that the Sun Priests are precious, and he will not put himself in danger traveling through the Daunt until the captain of the vanguard, Aaron, secures the way. Jurov tells Aloy where to find Aaron, and Aloy tells Jurov to get Buadis to Chainscrape. On Jurov's recommendation, Aloy stops by Chainscrape to upgrade her bow to help deal with the bristle bags. Upon entering, she is immediately greeted by Petra, her Asaram friend from Freeheat. Petra is excited to see Aloy and wants to have a drink, but Aloy tells her she is only passing through and needs to move on. A clearly disappointed Petra tells Aloy it was good to see her and tells her that the invitation to get the drink still stands. If the player chooses, they can have that drink with Petra before they leave, and Petra will explain the real purpose behind Alvin's work stoppage. After leaving Chainscrape, Aloy eventually comes across tracks that lead to Aaron. He is fighting off scroungers that are trying to scrap a bristleback he just killed. After dealing with them, he is distracted when he sees Aloy, which allows a bristleback to hit him. After Aloy takes care of the bristlebacks, she is able to reunite with Aaron. She tells him she needs the embassy to happen and that she needs to head west, and Aaron immediately volunteers to help in any way he can. Aloy rejects his help, telling him she needs to do this alone. As they part ways, Aaron makes it clear that he is upset with how Aloy left Meridian. He says that him and others fought by her side, and she left without even saying goodbye. Aloy will reply with either understanding or frustration, but either way, Aaron will head to Baron Light to heal up, and Aloy will go to clear the rest of the bristlebacks. Alright, so the Daunt is in a valley. Uh, the best way to get into it is by this elevator or a lift. I, 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 I said I said elevator a few times, but in my mind, elevators go up and down, right? Like like Meridian has elevators. This is more of a lift. It's kind of like a ski lift that you crank yourself. I think I wrote lift, but I don't know if they call it an elevator or a lift. But I definitely I wrote lift without even thinking about it. Yeah, it's more of a lift. Yeah, I would say. I, I think that's the way to go. I mean, you could go straight down into the daunt, but that's uh, it looks pretty steep. I mean, that's why they made this lift, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is why they made this lift. Uh, so, yeah, Aloy, she arrives at the lift and meets an Asram named Karn, and he is the operator of said lift. He tells her that he is under orders not to operate the lift due to there being a machine infestation in the valley. And when you look down, you see a bunch of lights like going back and forth. And those are supposed to be the machines. They're bristlebacks. When you actually get down to that area, there are no bristlebacks there. There are (laughs) none, yeah. There are none. There are no bristlebacks where the game tells you. So it's lies. You know, smoke and mirrors. But he's waiting to hear the whistle from Chainscrape, which is an Osiram settlement in the Daunt. And Aloy is like, well, I'll just crank it myself. And so he agrees to do it for her because he doesn't want the lift to be left at the bottom. So... I like this interaction because she's like, I'll do it myself. And he's like, well, then who will crank it back up? And then she just like rolls her (laughs) eyes and like walks like forward. Really good facial animations like 
you you didn't really see it as much before, but now it's like getting into like more emotions versus like her being brooding. Right. Yeah. But, but honestly, it's a it's a fair question. He's like, yeah, I mean, the elevator <laughs> goes down, it has to come back up. Who's going to do that? He's like, I'll just do it myself. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but on the way down, Karn gives Aloy details on what's happening in the Daunt. Uh, he tells her there's a work stoppage due to machine infestation. Uh, no hunters are hunting them because they don't want to anger Ovid, who is the self-appointed boss of Chainscrape. And he's the one that ordered the work stoppage. And Aloy tells him that he's she's there for the embassy. And he's like, well, that won't be happening anytime soon. And you know, she's like, well, why not? And as he continues to crank down, you hear a man talking. And he's like, there's your answer right there. And it's a sun priest that he cranked down the previous day and was supposed to be headed to Baron Light, but obviously he's not. He's in the same exact spot that he left him all, that, you know, Karn left him. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's supposed to be at Baron Light, and he is not. And once Aloy touches down, she gets the pleasure of meeting the studious Vuadis. If you don't do as I say immediately, the Sun King himself shall hear of your insolence. Thanks to you, I was forced to spend the night shivering in the tent. Exposed to attack, I might have died. Oh, me you refuse to transport, but not this... This... what? This Nora girl? This savage? Besides Scallywag? Wadis, that's Aloy. Studious Wadis? Aloy, you know, savior of Meridian? Really? Well, that lessens the insult, I suppose. I came here for the Embassy of Baronlight. Way I hear it, so did you. Well, not with the valley infested. And so did Aramon proclaim the sun priests most precious and worthy of safekeeping. See, scripture. I shall head to Baron Light when the captain of the vanguard tells me the way is clear, and not a moment sooner. Fine. Captain's a friend of mine, you know? All right, so clearly Voidis is, is, I'm sorry, Studious Voidis is clearly. I'm just calling him Voidis. Uh, no, no respect, just Voidis. <laughs> he is clearly full of himself because uh, he greets Aloy with the standard Karjanora greeting of Savage. Right. <laughs> so he greets her with that. And the thing is, he added on, he also calls her a scallywag. He also, I was like, wow, points for that. I haven't heard that in a long time. Away from me, Scallywag. Yep, I wrote that down like that. specifically because I was, he says, aside, Scallywag. Yeah. You know, I, I until to, until I looked, you know, watched that video, uh, or I guess maybe saw it for the first time, I did not know how to spell Scallywag. I don't. <laughs> I did not know how to spell Scallywag. So thanks, Voidies. You're right. Appreciate Same that. here. Yep. <laughs> It's one of those things you never think about. How do I spell Scallywag? I thought there would be a, a Y in the middle for some reason. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Me too. Or maybe an I or something uh-huh. like that. Scallywag. It's S-C-A-L-A-W-A-G. Whoever did the subtitles for this had to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> How do you spell Scallywag? I don't know. Isn't there an I in there? No. <laughs> a Y, not. a couple I's. You just throw them in there. It's fine. <laughs> Oh yeah, so great dialogue choice just to show, show how full you know, just show how full of, of himself this guy is. Like you have to be full of yourself to call somebody a scallywag. Oh yeah, you know. So, uh, but uh, it uh, it actually seems like he was trying to get transport out of the daunt, but Karn wouldn't come out for him because he's like, oh, you would transport this savage, 
and not me. Uh, you know, kind of how dare you? Uh, but he is like not in the least interested in talking to Aloy until there was a, there's an Osram Vanguard there named Juruf, and he tells Vuadis who Aloy is. Like, oh, I was a savior, savior Meridian. He's like, oh. Well, that like, like eases the blow or something like that. He's, he says something to that effect. He said that lessens the insult. But like, uh, how many, one, Nora do you see running around? I guess it's a little bit more because of how many people are now seekers. But two, yeah. a redheaded Nora. Like, it's so specific. Like, how do you not know? Right, exactly. So, but he's not, now he knows. And so he will at least talk to Aloy. And he tells Aloy, that he won't travel to Baron Light until he gets word from the captain of the Vanguard that the way is clear. And then he uses scripture to back his claim. <laughs> and he's like, you know, and so Araman proclaimed the sun priest most precious and worthy of seeking. And then I let the facial expression seals it. He's like, see scripture. Like it, it, just the way he says it isn't enough. It is the facial expression that he has when he says it. That's why these facial animations are so important to this game. Dave did a very good job at making this guy punchable. Like that, that is literally what his purpose is. Like you want to punch uh, him in the face. Yeah. Like it, it is really, really funny. Like it, <laughs> it's a funny interaction. Uh, and he apparently, you know, takes that very seriously because as you were coming down, he was like fussing at Jurif about having to sleep in a tent. He's like, I could have been attacked. You know, the sun priests are, are precious. So, but uh, Aloy asks uh, Jurif where Aaron is, and he says that Vuadi sent him in another vanguard to clear the way and tells her that they were headed to the left bank to check for treks. And Vuadi, he tries to get on the elevator to head back up, and Aloy stops him. And she has Jurif ex- uh, escort him to Chain Scrape. And she tells him that when uh, she'll, she's going to help Aaron clear the way. And after that, no more excuses. Time to do the embassy. That's, you know, she's, she's there for business. You know, got a, got a world to save, you know. So, I mean, from here, you can go straight to Aaron if you want to. But you can also go to Chain Scrape to upgrade your bow. Um, so we're going to go there first. But uh, to be real with you, like, that's not the first place I went because <laughs> this is your first taste of the open world. Oh, yeah. Not the first place I went. I went everywhere I could within that kind of local area, like yeah. climbing up, whatever, all these question marks. I was like, heck, yeah, let's go see what these are. I did go to Chain Scrape, though. I didn't like. Oh, I didn't skip. I didn't skip Chain Scrape. Oh, okay, I did go okay, to Chain okay. Scrape. But that was I mean, I had to go to Chain Scrape probably an hour or two after I touched down. Because the first thing I did was like, this is, the fir- this is actually the first place that I got to experience like how much they improved the climbing, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is where I first noticed the yellow lines and the rocks using the focus. Yeah. Because like I, I was, you know, I was just pressing the button using the focus to see if there was anything around. And then I got close to like this rock mass and it had these yellow lines on it. And then the yellow X's. And I'm like, why is it like that? Because then I also noticed that some had red. I was like, Make, can I? and I just jumped. She starts climbing on the yellow lines. I'm like, okay. So that means I can climb on anything with yellow lines, right? And there's a lot of stuff with yellow lines. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was climbing. I was climbing everything, too. Thankfully, I didn't climb things that weren't important. I followed question marks. I wasn't just climbing random cliffs. The first thing I did is like, so when you finish talking to Vuadis, there is a... Like a basically, like I don't want to say a mountain, but like a a tall rock mass behind that, like separates 
like the uh, 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 the daunt from another part of the daunt. Mm-hmm. First thing I did is I climbed right over that. I climbed <laughs> right, like I climbed up and over, it and boom, there's a side quest right there. There's a side quest like right there. So, and we'll get into those side quests in another episode. We're gonna, I gotta talk side quests this episode. But yeah, that's the first thing I did. And also, I didn't. I upgraded my bow before I hit chain scrape because in that a- same area where that side quest is, is also a workbench. So mm. I got to see upgrading weapons because I don't like. I mean, I guess you could look at upgrading weapons. Actually, maybe you couldn't look at upgrading weapons before you got to the daunt. But now you get to see, oh, the weapons have multiple levels. They get more powerful. You know, you get more abilities, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, because when you when you went to the workbench before, it was showing you how to create the pool caster and upgrade on the spear. But you couldn't actually see your your weapon inventory. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, like I did that before I had chain scrape. I got my first die flower, which that's how I figured out that, oh, we're going to be able to die armor in this game, which I really haven't used it. Honestly, most of the armor I've gotten looks the best in its original state. I, I, I now die or at least look at all of the different die options whenever I put new right. armor on. Yeah, I mean, I'll look at it, but most, in my opinion, most of the time, the armor looks the best the way it was, personally. Uh, I, I, I like think. being bright, so I put like the brightest dye I possibly can on it. Oh man, do you have? Uh, you're gonna love the Tanakh. I mean, do you have Tanakh? Well, you know, you have Tanakh armor on right now, but you have that first one that we talked about from your from that side quest. Yeah. So I think when you get to Thorn Marsh, maybe even before that, you get access to Tanakh armor that has the feathers on it, like they do. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I saw that. I didn't get it. I wish there was an option that you could have, like, a glamour armor and then your actual armor. What? You're going to have a glamour no, 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 armor? No, I wish there was an option. Oh, okay. No, no, wish no. there was an option. I yeah. was like, you need to tell me where this is. I wish, I wish every <laughs> game had, like, some type of transmog system. Yes. I wish every game did because there's some armor that looks really good, but then... It's just trash stats. It's trash stats and trash stats. Cyberpunk had this issue where you walked around looking like a bum. You walked (laughs) around Cyberpunk looking like a bum because you'd have this this, uh, motorcycle helmet on all the time with these bright orange pants. And a sleeveless shirt, and like it's like you just look like you know sandals. (laughs) You know, like you look crazy all the time because like that you needed the best stats, and you just look like a fool. Like, but like, yeah, it's like that PUBG gear where you're just picking up whatever you can off the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, one of my favorite games that had a like that they didn't even have a transmog system. They literally had. A system where you showed the game what armor you wanted to show people, and you ha- showed, and then you had the armor that you wore for the stats, right? But they only should, and that was um DC Universe Online. That's what that, that that's what it was. Yeah, it was like that. Man, you just threw me back. I love that. That game was ten gigabytes on the PS3. It took me three days to download. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So that I think every game needs to have that, but. Uh, what else would I, I figure out before I hit the chain scrape? Oh, yeah. Finally, I started using the stash. I'm like, oh, man, this is a great addition to the inventory system. I completely missed the fact that my deluxe items were in there, though. Oh, see, I didn't get to the stash until I was in chain scrape because I Googled how to get my pre-order items. And it's like, oh, it's in your stash. And that was the first time I opened it. 
Oh yeah, like by the workbench that I went to because it was a it was a shelter. So mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, if you're following, I mean, I, I would imagine everybody who's playing, who's listening to this has, has, knows what a shelter is by now. <laughs> but like you know, a shelter is like a it's like a campsite with useful stuff around it, like a a workbench and a stash. Uh, I found my first underwater cave in Grandshine uh, before I went to Chainscrape because there's one like on the way and. Uh, Actually, I've read that it well, it says sometimes that a cave is considered complete when you get all the green shine, but does the cave change colors like on the map? Oh, okay. So this just happened to me. Uh I think it changes colors when you explore it, but I was just in a cave and I left and it says next to the name of the cave complete in parentheses. Oh, okay. So that's uh, I, so yeah. I feel like there's, a- yeah, I feel like there's so much stuff that I didn't complete in in these caves because that's the first time I saw it after being like how many hours into the game. <laughs> yeah, like there's so like I stopped going into those caves because you start running into certain caves where you're you're you run out of breath, like you need a tool that yeah. lets you breathe underwater. And I was like, well, I'm just not going to do any more caves until. You know, until I have whatever apparatus I need, clearly I need some type of breathing apparatus underwater. And so that's, I mean, I have it at this point, but I haven't gone back and down on a cave yet. So I'm going to need to, though, because now that I, because at this point, I'm actually done with the game or done with the all. I'm done with the, all the main quests, side quests and errands, and I need to upgrade like armor and stuff like that so I can do the arenas. So I'm going to need that green shine now. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, also discovered metal flowers because, that you can't open up until about level 24. Maybe. It depends how fast you get there. But like I think the quest to, to open up the metal flowers is level 24. That was frustrating because I was so excited. I was frustrated because I was going to all the question marks because I think you can get like a, um, a collectible or two before you even get into chain scrape. And then, oh, yeah. and then I saw a couple of other places like the metal flowers and, and something else where it's like block path. I'm like, oh, you're kidding me. I have to come back here. That's annoying. That is frustrating. It, it does feel a bit frustrating, especially since, I mean, the last quest, the last story quest in the game is level 35. So the fact that you're not going to be able to open that stuff until level 24, mm-hmm. like that's more than halfway through the game uh, at, at that point. So it, it is a bit frustrating. I, I will say that. So, but finally I did make it the chain scrape. And as Aloy approaches chain scrape, she's recognized as the savior. So I'm sure she's loving that, you know, it's a, it's gotta be a love hate thing because people treat her differently as the savior than right. they did as just Anora. They call her savior instead of savage. That is an upgrade. Right, because she went from she went from outcast to savage to savior. Like that's a polar yeah. <laughs> opposite. Even the outcast, like yeah, even outcast is uh, she's a, an anointed now. She's anointed of the Nora. Right, right, that's true. So, uh, but the guards let her in, and she immediately runs into Petra by the forge. Petra, Aloy, what are you doing here? Uh, about time there was something worth looking at in this dump. It's nice to see you two. And not a moment too soon. Come on. I... Damn brewery's the only thing I can count on in this place. Yeah, I heard. Machines, work stoppage. Oh, those are just the latest malfunctions. Chain scrape's always been a few tools short of a kit. And right there is the biggest tool of all. Not our land, not our problem. The bristlebacks are everybody's problem. Roland, 
You've heard of him? Yeah. But he's a story best told over a cold beer. Uh, Petra, Petra. I'm just passing through. I'm headed west. Oh. There's an embassy at, at Baron Light I need to make happen, and then I keep moving. Ah, of course. Bigger gears to grind. Well, Flame Hair, good to see you. You've got to move on. Petra. But if you want a cold beer and a few laughs with an old friend, come find me at the brewery. Your choice. So Petra has an upgraded, up, now I'll say upgraded look. She has an updated look here. Like, she looks younger now. Mm-hmm. Like, she's supposed to be her, she's supposed to be late 30s to early 40s. She looks, like, in her mid to late 20s. Early 30s at the latest. I feel like she could pass as mid 30s. I don't, I don't know. Like, she just, she looks younger to me all, to, like, all around. I will say, though. In that day and age, I'm sure they don't have proper cleaning and, you know, skin care routines. So she does look incredibly young because she should just look even more aged up than what a, you know, person of that age would look like now. I would say she easily looks 10 years younger than she did in Horizon Zero Dawn. Easily 10 years. You know. Uh, and it could also be the fact that her face can be more expressive, period. Like, she has mm-hmm. more facial expression, so that also could be it. But she just, in general, she looks younger. You know, because part of her dialogue in Horizon Zero Dawn was about her life experience, you know? So yeah. I think that she should, they should keep her looking older. I mean, she doesn't need to look like a hag or a crypt keeper. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, at the same time, like, I, I felt that her look in Horizon Zero Dawn fit her age. You know, the age that she was supposed to be, I felt like it fit, you know. Uh, so, and they actually, they, they did put detail into uh, Petra because, so, if you notice, you if you can get a look directly at her face, she has, like, these, like, asymmetrical, like, eye bags. Like, the, the bags under her eyes are not the same under each eye. Oh. And it matches the bags under the eyes of the face model. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I did notice her face was more like, I don't know, dynamic. I get like her expressions were like very all over the place in a good way. I'm going to talk about expressions so much. But like when she talks, she has like this smirk on like one side of her face and it like comes through very well. Well, I I, it's not not like I just noticed like, oh, look at those eye bags. Like, you know, I didn't (laughs) do that. I actually when I was, you know, looking up information, I was like, I wonder how old. Petra's face model is and then I looked it up and first of all Petra even in Forbidden West looks older than her face model her face model is like really young like at least looks really young like her face model might be in her mid-20s but she could pass for 18 if she wanted to like she has one of those faces uh but like yeah she she looks really so Petra even looks young looks older than her (laughs) than her face model and on her Instagram she brought up the fact that they kept her eye like her like her eye bags in there like her asymmetrical like bags under her eyes so she brought that up i was like oh that's interesting um about the model i don't know what her name is i don't know her age either but her handle is new hologram and she streams and does like j-pop translations and let's plays and stuff like that and she plays games apparently because she does let's plays 
But she did not know she was in Horizon Zero Dawn. She did not know. She <laughs> Wouldn't you get money for that? Like, that's so bizarre to me. I think she got, well, no, I think she got paid just for the face scans. Because she said that she was scanned for the first game about seven years ago. Oh, right? okay. And she says they never notified her that she was used in the game or that the game ever came out. So she know like. Wait, did they even she, know what game that they were getting face scanned for? Probably not. Probably oh. not. So unless you actually played and then did Petra's side quest, because I'm sure when you meet Petra in game, like it's at the end, if you didn't do the side quest, it's like a quick interaction. They might not have even noticed if they even played the game and if they played it to the end. I don't know if she played at all. Like that's the thing. Like, I just don't know if she, if she played the game at all. Cause it's not, it's, she didn't mention anything about playing the game and not noticing. She right. just, she says that she did not know she was in Horizon Zero Dawn until they asked her to do scans for Horizon Forbidden West. And then I guess whoever she was dealing with told her that Petra was like a side character, but now she's going to be more of a main character. And so she's like, oh, that's cool. She, she says she even con- like reached out to uh, Gorilla, or I guess maybe because they probably have a company that they go through to get these like people for the face scans, right? They probably don't say, hey, I'm from Gorilla Games. And I want to do a face scan on you or something like, an like that. Agent they probably or have, something. Yeah, they probably have like an agent or something yeah. like that. Um, and because uh, she didn't travel, because you know, I forget what country Gorilla's in, but it's not in the United States, so it's not like she traveled out. She she went someplace in the United States, got her face scanned, and I guess they they sent the data over to Gorilla. Uh, she said she contacted, I guess whoever her contact was, and they never they they I think they didn't they didn't tell her if she was in the game or not. Like they didn't, they didn't tell her she's a game. So she probably didn't know what game she was being scanned for. And so therefore she probably didn't know what to look for. <laughs> you know, she didn't probably, she didn't know what to look for because they never sent her a notification that her face was actually used. So she did not know that she was in the first game until she was asked to be scanned for the second game. Well, I hope they is- got a pay bump for that because Petra is like, even from the first game, kind of like a pretty big deal. So. Well, yes, I, I, I'm curious. I would love to know, like, you know, the logistics behind the. Yeah, like, <laughs> I doubt that the face model would get paid more than the voice actress. Oh yeah, I'm sure that they wouldn't get paid more, especially if the voice actress is like a known person. Right, yeah. But I hope they got a bump from the first one to the second one. Because it was <laughs> kind of the a, second one. It's kind of a big deal. So well, but not to mention they're oh, I would almost say that they're required, like like they needed her face, but yeah. they definitely changed the face of uh somebody of another, else. Yeah, in the game. that's true. <laughs> another character. Yeah. So they're like, oh man, that sucks. We're gonna have to change Petra's face. Like that would have been an odd interaction because to the point because like you know, when you even when you just see her. You can tell it's Petra, mm-hmm. but like if the, if it's a completely different face and the play, you got to explain to the player, oh, this is Petra now. It's like when they switch out an actress. I will in, in say a, in a sitcom. I will <laughs> say though, like Petra is very Osaram. She she just looks Osaram ish, right? The other character that they changed the face out for, though their facial facial features weren't the same. They have a very unique look, right? So it'll be easier to see them but like petra i guess is you you notice her more by her face because everything else about her is very 
generic according to the Asaram. I guess uh, yeah, you, that, that's true. Like you do require her face a bit more. Yeah. So in my personal opinion. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel you. The other person definitely has a, a unique outfit on. So yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, going back to the game itself, Petra, she's obviously happy to see Aloy. You know, she immediately wants to take her to get a drink because she grabs her hands like, "Hey, come on!" And she tells Aloy that the machines and the work stoppage are just the latest, you know, uh, chain scrape troubles. And she calls Ovid uh, the greatest tool of them all, <laughs> you know, because you, you can see Ovid. You just don't you haven't talked to him yet, but you can see Ovid. Yeah, the, the line was uh, chain scrape has always been a few tools short of a full kit. But then she actually points at Ovid and says, but he's the biggest tool of all. Yeah, it was a 10 out of 10 line. I love I screamed when I saw her. I was like, no way. Like you meet her so early. <laughs> I was yeah, so you meet excited. Her really early. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's arguing with somebody you don't know who he is yet. And they're talking about the bristleback problem. And Alvin's like, it's, you know, not our land, not our problem. And so she says his story is best told over a cold beer. And that's when Aloy tells her that she's just passing through and she won't be staying long. So Petra, she's like clearly disappointed. And she tells Aloy that it's good to see her, invites her to get a, and says, you know, invites her to get a beer at the brewery if she wants to. And you can tell with the exit, there's some slight tension there. I mean, anybody will be able to tell. Aloy can tell. And I mean, honestly, Petra probably feels like she's not important enough to Aloy to sit down and have a drink with, right? Which, I mean, I can understand from Aloy's perspective that her mission is to save the world, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Petra, like, brought the guns, like, to the fight. You know what I'm saying? Right. Without Petra's weaponry, that fight would have gone the other way. Like, it could have gone south way faster. Oh, (laughs) absolutely. I I wonder what... Because Varl was mad that Aloy left right away. I wonder what Petra's feelings were. I wonder if Petra also left right away because she was like okay i'm done i'm sure she would stay for an after party exactly like to stay and drink like yeah. absolutely yeah you know i'll say absolutely they would uh she would stay to to drink with them yeah so she's probably a little salty that like aloy just dipped so you're right she probably feels like she's not important because aloy just dipped without saying anything to her and then now she's like uh actually i gotta go yeah, exactly. Like she's kind of getting like like brushing her off. This person that she fought, oh, like you know, one of the biggest battles mm-hmm. in the history of their world. Right. You know, she, you know, and you fought alongside of her. Like you came there for her. You came there to help her. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that they like they're not really bringing up in these interactions, right? That a lot of these people came because of Aloy, right? You know, so yeah, but it, it, you know, this this probably would have went down easier. Like even if she did this. But stayed for the after party, it probably would have went down a little easier. You know, mm-hmm. if she told people, like, yeah, there's still more work that I have to do, so I have to go. You know. It's just one night. Just like, leaving. literally just one night. Um, depends on how much you drink. It, it could be, like, a night and, like, maybe a day. She's young. She'll recover. It's fine. Exactly. It was a dead end anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so, you know, at this point, you can go and talk uh, to Ovid if you want to. Or technically speaking, you I think you could just leave Chain Scrape if you want to and go to find Aaron. But I immediately went to go have a drink with Petra. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So when you go to talk to her, she like she basically gives you info on what's happening in and around Chain Scrape. 
And she talks about how Ulbit came to be in power. Uh, basically, he got in early, right? He realized that rebuilding Baron Light will require resources, so he got investors to invest in claims in the Daunt. The problem is, that he's running into is that since all of the claims are on Karja land, the Karja can reject them at any time, right? So the Asaram can mine all this stuff, and the Karja's like, no, that's actually ours, and then take it from them if they really want to. So it's keeping investors from investing. Some investors are investing, obviously, because he got the money to, to do chain scrape, but they're, he's still keeping a lot of investors from investing. And uh, he, what he wants is for the Karja to sign something called a concession decree. And the decree will put all the Asaram claims in the don't under Asaram law. The Karja would no longer be able to reject those claims. This will lead to more investors willing to invest in the claims. And Ulvin has staken those claims, so it'll make him really rich. Right, and also Chains Group will become an Osram municipality, so he can buy enough votes. He at that point he'd be able to buy enough votes to become an elderman, which is like a big, you know, a big deal. Uh, it's like it's like one of their, I don't know, like you know, high, like a mayor or something of one of the yeah. highest in pos- uh, positions. Actually, there is one thing I want to bring up. You know, in the last game, Aaron talked about freebooters, but they don't explain what a freebooter is. Did he? I have. I don't. I don't recall that term. So he. Okay. So when Aloy, and this is toward the beginning of the game. That's why probably this is toward, like, this is when he's talking to Aloy in Mother's heart. Oh, okay. He's, yeah, he says when Aloy asked him what happened, like how they take you know Meridian back. He says you know Avad and then Asaram freebooters, you know fought the you know fought to take Meridian back. That's what he says. Asaram freebooters. They never explain what a freebooter is in Horizon Zero Dawn. They never talk about it. You don't hear about what a freebooter is, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know, until this game. And it doesn't happen around here. This is later. This is like later in the game. Like I was probably 40 or 50 hours into the game before I heard that term again, freebooter. And basically what a freebooter is, is an Asaram that left the claim uh to get to to leave uh the elderman behind right like a freebooter does not talk does not um uh answer to the elderman okay yeah yeah so a a freebooter is essentially an asaram that has left that hierarchy right so all of the asaram that left that that came with a vod because the the elderman i don't know if they ever say it or not but i don't think the elderman supported them coming to fight for Mar- like to, to to fight with Avad. So they probably would have had to leave the well they definitely had to leave the claim behind, but like, you know, they don't answer to the Elderman anymore. Which means basically any Osaram you run into is a freebooter. Not necessarily. I don't I don't think just leaving the claim makes you a freebooter. I think you like if you don't respond to not respond, but if you don't answer to the Elderman, right? Right. Like, so like um, Petra, so Petra and everybody is, at yeah. Free every, yeah Petra and everybody in Free Heap, I believe that would make them freebooters. And then also, um, uh, oh my God, what's her name with the G? Her husband was Kinder. He didn't leave. Jira, Jira, then Jira, would be a free, yeah. freebooter. So I just googled it, uh, and a freebooter is a pirate or a lawless adventurer. So that makes sense. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so like a freebooter is like yeah. Even if you look at like I'm gonna look in the wiki real quick, but I don't think there's an actual entry for freebooter. 
Uh, no, actually, there's a data point called Freebooter. From the first game? No, this is in Forbidden West. Oh, this is this is the this is the uh, this is this, this is the glyph that I learned what a freebooter was. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there is no official like definition or wiki entry for freebooter, but like it, there is a data point later in the game. That's how, I knew I heard it from somewhere. Um, and so yeah, when like yeah, the freebooters they just don't answer to the elderman. Because the Eldermen still have, like, um, strict, like, misogynist rules, right? Like, the women mm-hmm. are supposed to get married to men. Like, Petra talked about it. She was like, oh, if I would have been, if I would have stayed in the claim, I would have been Petra Forge's wife. Right. You know, when she says that Horizons are Dawn. Later in the game, that when you go to these camps, there aren't any bandit camps, but there are things like bandit camps, which we're going to get into. There are Asaram there. And you can, if you listen to some of their conversations as they're walking around, there are a few females that talk about, that talk about the elderman and, uh, you know, them wanting to force them into marriage and stuff like that. So that's just like, you know, if you don't kill them too quickly, you can actually listen and learn a little something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's what a freebooter is. Like I, I, like I said, there's no wiki definition. I did not know what a freebooter was until, uh, you know, until, until this game. I still don't know what a dicer is. Like, there, like that's another Asaram thing that, uh, ooh, I forget who says it. It might have been Olin talks about dicers or a something like dicer that. Dicer sounds like someone that would chop people up. Uh, so yeah, she also talks about the bristlebacks and the fact that they don't know where they came from. I think um, Karn also tells you the same thing that they don't know where the bristlebacks came from, and she tells you Olvind actually wasn't happy when the Vanguard showed up to get rid of the bristlebacks uh, because he's actually bra- blaming the bristleback outbreak or infestation on the Karja, and he's trying to chudge up old grievances among the Asaram. And he's using the bristlebacks to push his agenda to get the Karja to sign the decree. You know, he's trying to get the Asram up in a up in a tizzy, saying, "Oh, the Karja did this to us." And the the Asram already have, you know, a poor. Most of the Asram already have a poor um, perception of the Karja as is. You know, you know, Petra says he's actually been trying to rile up the Asram since he came to Chainscrape. So he's been trying to, you know, get them whipped up uh, to. You know, I guess get angry against the Karja to push his agenda. And she also talks Washington stay in free heap. She says after the battle Meridian, she went back, but then she saw everything was running smoothly and thought they didn't need her. So she heard about the rebuilding of Baron Light and figured they could use her hand, you know, or help out here. And when you leave this conversation, definitely feels a bit more friendly. You know, Aloy thanks Petra for the drink and then she calls her flame hair. So that's how you know you're on good terms. Honestly, I'm I'm mostly upset about the fact that Aloy took like two or three sips from that beer and then left it. Uh, yeah, she wasted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, not surprised. <laughs> Savior of the world can't be having a good time now. You know. See, I wonder too. I, I was like, is this the first time she's ever had a drink? Because I don't think she drank before. She's never had Maybe. an opportunity to sit down and drink maybe i mean i will tell you she drinks more than once in this game it's very casually though from what i've noticed yeah yeah i mean they've actually kind of 
I don't want to say like drinking is like mature content, but they've definitely uh, t- like turned it up a little bit. Like in Horizon Zero Dawn, did anyone curse in that game at all? I don't think anyone cursed in that game. I don't think so. This is something I totally forgot to bring up when we we're in the Far Zenith facility and she falls and she just starts like cursing. I was like, oh, Aloy. <laughs> language. Yeah, like- I mean, throughout the game, I got used to it and I kind of forgot about it. But I was like, I don't think in Horizon Dawn, I don't think she cursed. I don't. Well, she didn't curse. I don't think anybody cursed in that game. I think they kept the language pretty neutral. I feel like a couple people might have, but definitely not Aloy. I was actually very shocked when I heard that. Yeah, but like, yeah, she was throwing some. Uh, yeah, she was throwing some curses out there. She, she does that several times in the game. And it's totally, it's totally appropriate for what's oh, happening. Yeah. <laughs> I will yeah. definitely tell you because words would be coming out of my mouth. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, probably worse words would be coming out of my mouth, but you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but uh, on the way out of Chainscape, you can hear Alvid arguing with Javad the Willing, who is the Karja magistrate. And Javad is trying to convince Olvid that they're on the same side, but Olvid is saying that the Karja let the Bristlebacks through the gates of Baron back. Oh, sorry, Baron Light. And Javad is trying to, he's actually trying to stop the work stoppage because they're, they're re- actively rebuilding Baron Light. And so they need the, the Osram to be working and providing supplies. Uh, and Olvid is, he's trying to pr- apply pressure to the magistrate to get him to sign the concession decree. And Olvid says that if he wants that whistle blown, the Karja will need to clear out the Bristlebacks and sign the decree. And while this is happening, Aloy is able to get their attention. Hi. Savior, what auspicious timing. Might we discuss a matter of importance to the Sundom? We might. Later. Very well. I shall be waiting. So, the Savior herself. Walloper of Durval, gutter of use. Maybe. I've heard many tales of your beauty and heroics, my fierce lady warrior. Olfant Freehold, at your service. So, what could have dragged you away from the fine silks and wine of Meridian to this smudge of a settlement? Your saviorly attention must be needed elsewhere. I'm here for the embassy and- The embassy? Why, uh, by the forge. Ah. Greater gears for greater matters. Guess that means you'll be moving on. Once I've dealt with any problems around here that need my... saviorly attention. Ah, the Bristlebacks, of course. Got to get rid of them if you want that embassy to take place. Well... Best get to it, hey? Off you go. Not so fast. So Javad actually looks happy to see her and he asks if they can speak in private and she says later, that's actually going to lead to a side quest. But like I said, we're not going to talk about that right now. And this is our first time speaking face-to-face with Olvind and he immediately seems full of it. Like props to the voice actor. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, they did a good job selling it. Yeah, he did, they did a great job selling it. Uh, and he like wants to know why she's in chain scrape, and she tells him that she's you know there for the embassy, which is he's like, oh great, then you'll be moving on, <laughs> you know, like. Uh, and Aloy hints that the bristleback issue, uh, you know, he she hints at the bristleback issue. Sorry, and she tries, and he tries to shoo her off, you know, because you know she in order to get the you know to to get Sun Priest 
too barren. Like she has to take care of the bristlebacks. And um, he's like, oh, well, you better get going, you know, off to it. You know, hop to it. And what I think is I don't think he just wants her to get out of chain scrape. Right. I think he realizes that he's running out of time uh, since he is, you know, using those bristlebacks to pressure the car. So the Vanguard came through and tried to get the bristlebacks. And now the Savior Meridian's there. And he's also trying to get rid of the bristlebacks. He's running out of time. You know, with the with this car that he's currently playing, so maybe he needs to re-strategize or figure out something else. Because once the bristlebacks are dealt with, he doesn't have much to go on for the work stoppage at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can you know get some additional information out of him about the current work stoppage and also how he came to run Chain's Grape. Uh, and Every word he says paints him as like a selfless hero of Chainscrape. When he first starts talking about like how he's not going to let his laborers be bullied and blah, blah, blah. Um, first off, Aloy's like, how noble of you? Like she, she knows he's full of, you know, he's full of it. But every time he talks like that, he like moves like the to the, the side of the camera and just starts preaching out to the Osteram <laughs> that are there. Like, you know those, like, sitcoms where someone just turns around for dramatic effect and just starts talking? Like, that's what it felt like. It was very, like, comical and dramatic because oh, he's yeah, putting that, on a show. Yeah, he's he's clearly, like, turning to the Osteram that are watching, you know, him interact with the Savior of Meridian to try to paint himself as the the, the, the savior hero. Of yeah, like, scrape. Yeah. The, yeah, like, he's doing it for them, like, I mean, he would make an excellent politician, like with the, the way he's like kind of doing this. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah, he's tried yeah. to sweet talk her, but he—I think he took a class in like what not to say to Aloy because he's the, when he first meets her, he's like, oh, "I've heard many tales of your beauty and heroics, my fierce lady warrior," and I'm like, <laughs> "No." <laughs> yeah. So you know, like his, he, you know, I think they start the conversation. You know, she asks why he doesn't get along with the magistrate, and he's like, "Oh, because they're taking advantage of the workers of Chainscrape. It's all about the workers, right?" And he's like, "I was born with a hammer in my hand. Nobody gave me anything. I achieved all this on my own." You know, and yeah. when Aloy asks him where that hammer is, he's like, "Oh, the burden of leadership has exactly." You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, so he's got an answer for everything. Uh, so he justified the work stoppage by saying that Asram, you know, they were risking their lives while working. Uh, you know, while the bristlebacks are in the daunt and the Karja need to get rid of them and give them a fair deal that they deserve in order to stop the work stoppage. Cause he says he won't risk any more Asram lives. And then when Aloy asks him about the decree, he's like, well, it isn't my decree. It's on the behalf of the laborers and chain scrape. And like, this is one of those parts where he definitely, like, for a long time, he's, he's talking to her, but he's turned and talking to everybody else while he's like talking to her about it. And speaks and, extra uh, loud. And speaks extra <laughs> loud, yeah. And she actually even challenges whether he should be in charge or not. But he says the Asaram folk put him in charge because it is a it's Karja lands. It's technically speaking a Karja settlement, right? And he's like, you know, no, no, the Asaram folk put me in charge here because the the uh, the Karja they don't they they don't they can never run something like this. And, you know, Aloy tells him that he doesn't have any real authority. And he's like, well, anybody who has followers has authority. I'm like, that's true. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, that's true. It's not wrong. And, uh, and I'm not talking Twitter followers. I'm actually talking real followers here. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like you have people who will listen to what you say. But aren't Twitter followers just people that will listen to what you say? 
No, they're not. It's like, a, it's a, <laughs> listen, some of these stands out here are a little out there, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, some of them. Some of them are. Uh, but, uh, you know, he says he practically founded Chainscrape because it says before him, Chainscrape was a bunch of tents, you know, before he invested in it and then also convinced the other Osram to, to invest. And he does say that he makes a little return on his, his investment, but his main concern is the well-being of the Osram. So I'm sure. Uh, yeah. At the end of the conversation, she tells him that, you know, she's going to clear out the bristlebacks so and he better be ready to blow that whistle, uh, when she does. Now, if Owen wasn't such a slimy deuce, douche sorry like his his plan is actually not that bad as long as he's not really exploiting people you do get more information on him later so that might that 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 may change but like on at face value his plan is not that bad he saw opportunity he invested in it he got other people to invest in it and the change creep was a bunch of tents and now it's this like you know bustle and settlement like the money helped you know it probably also brought more Osram from the claim to to to, to uh, chain scrape, and the whole thing with the Karja is just him trying to figure out a, a way to get more uh, security investors, investors. Yeah, basically, yeah, more investors in to maximize his returns because since he has, I'm not sure if I mentioned it earlier, but he has stake in a lot of the claims. Uh, you know, he has stake in a lot of the claims there in the daunt so mm-hmm. if those claims become asaram claims and then he gets even you know gets even more investors like he's gonna be really rich yeah so he will end up making a lot of money i mean at face value it's not that bad and but and i oh, don't know ahead. if you mentioned too that like there's a lot of people that don't want to invest because the card you could like come in and take it at any time so yeah. people are hesitant on investing into chain scrape exactly. to an <laughs> Right, yeah. So that change, like you know, it's not that bad of a plan. It really, like, w- what really matters here is him, how he's doing it, and just from his demeanor, like obviously he's being kind of deceitful. Like, oh yeah, this is all about the people of Chainscrape. You know, it's all about the people. It's it's not about me. I only make a little bit. Like, so he's clearly being slimy. Like I said, you do find out more about how he operates later. So, yeah. Uh, as you can imagine, it's not as great. But if he if he wasn't a slimy douchebag, this might not be so bad. Listen, if it was like Petra in this situation, I think everyone would be fine. Right. Yeah. Even if it was the same plan. Right. You know. Right. So yeah, because like you know, technically speaking, like if he does get them to sign the, um, the decree, the you know, other Osram will have more opportunity to make more off of the land off of their work mm-hmm. so that's not necessarily false right so uh but yeah so you know after you leave train uh chain scrape and you know, trying to reach Aaron, aloy actually runs into an area with a bunch of shock traps and sh- traps work differently i think it's our first area that we and did you run into this earlier so no i didn't face. but as soon as i left chain scrape there was someone that was running into the town screaming about a bristleback. Did you not get that? No. Oh, yeah. What? So I was like picking berries or something. Like I went out the other side of where you came in from the dawn. And someone's like, oh, there's a bristleback. It's after me. Someone help. And Aloy was like, get in the town. And he has like one HP. And I threw like a, a frost bomb at it and it died. 
No, I didn't. Like, what exit did you go out of? I went out the same exit that I entered. No, I went out the back, like directly across. No, no. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, I had like one HP and he's like, uh, Aloy is like, hey, now stay where it's safe. And he's like, oh, you don't have to tell me twice or something like that. Nope. That did not happen for me. <laughs> that did not happen for me. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I um, I just went back across the bridge and followed the uh, the marker. <laughs> I followed the marker. Yeah. And that led me to a place that had a whole bunch of shock traps. I did get that and eventually. I just had an experience first. Yeah, I think you have to. <laughs> you have to hit that place first. So you'll hear a voice say they'll make it worth your while if you get rid of the scroungers. Uh, in that area, and they suggest you have them run into the tripwire. So it's like a, it's like an elemental tripwire tutorial, essentially, because when you have them run into it, the it takes the 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 um scroungers down, and you can do a, like a like a critical strike on them. But it also teaches you if you run into one of those traps that you know you can traps are self inflicting. That like I mean like you you can do damage to yourself by running into your own traps. I was so mad. This is one of those things where I was like, this was not in the first game and very essential to how I played the game. Why would you change it? I get it. They want to be more realistic. But I was so upset because as I was trying to figure out where the scroungers were, I like I was crouched for a second, but I was like, oh, they're far away. I stood up and then I turned around and it was like, bzz, and I was like, wait a second, hold, oh, yeah. hold up. <laughs> no way. Yep, you can you can activate your own traps now. Like I, yeah, I that happened to me in one of the worst spots I could possibly it could possibly happen to me. I was so frustrated. I was like, you know what? Screw these traps, man. Yeah, the so. most annoying part about this though is if you don't take this them down by electrocuting them, the dude gets mad at you and he's like, "Come on, the traps are there." <laughs> so then one runs into it gets electrocuted and i critical strike and kill it and he's like fine then don't use my traps and i'm like i just did I <laughs> well he gave you the shock trip caster still after the fact right oh yeah yeah okay just checking i was like i was wondering if he didn't give it to you so <laughs> after the scrounges are dead uh Thurless comes out of hiding and he tells you that the vanguard came through there they killed the bristleback which that's what attracted the scroungers and then they headed south and before you leave, he gives you the shock trip caster, which, uh, you know, you can use it in the trip caster trial. That's apparently not far from there because that's where he's going. He invites you to come out and try out the trip caster. <laughs> that was so it, it, it did not feel like it fit. He's like, well, like it sounded like an ad. Like, you know how like yeah, you're just like yeah. a really bad YouTube transition ad that has nothing to do with what you're talking about, but you they tried to have like some kind of, you know, transition yeah. and it just, you know, was kind of fell off. That's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah, like there was just no segue there. Like just no. like <laughs> no, it was just like, oh wow, great, great doing that. The find the get vanguard over here. And Aloy's like, all right, nice, good meeting you. I'll be out. And he's like, well, while you're doing that, I'll go back to the hunting grounds. You can use that tripwire. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, it was funny. It's really uh, great. <laughs> now he says that he actually had a shop in Chainscrape, but he left because he thinks that Olvind set his workshop on fire because he wouldn't give him a discount on the wares. Which Olvind is that's what is one thing that's happened in Chainscript because there's a side quest that you can get pretty early where a cook 
is like he thinks you're one of Olvin's people and he's like, dude, I just don't have I can't give you the discount right now. Like I don't have the supplies for it. Mm-hmm. You know, so Olvin's been pushing the discount for a lot of people, but I said, Well, we'll come back to that. Uh but a little further south, you find tracks and follow them, and eventually they lead you to Aaron fighting some scroungers. And there's another Vanguard there, but he's on top of a structure and he looks to be hurt. Did you also not get like the other thing that triggered before you got there where you find two Osaram fighting a bristleback? I got that later. That's not in the yeah, like you can you can like I saw them. And I ignored them. And I went the other way. Yeah. But you can when you they, you can come back to that later because I think they give you something they, when you when you Yeah, yeah. they do. Because you take down the bristle back and there's one that's stuck under its foot. Uh they give yeah. you like smoke bombs and then they tell you where to find Aaron. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just use the focus and the focus tells you where to find Aaron. But yeah, I saw them fighting the bristle back and I'm just like, I just I don't want to get involved in that right now. I just want to <laughs> find Aaron. <laughs> you know, so um yeah i you know he's up there fighting the scroungers uh once again because he killed a bristleback and the scroungers came out and the other vanguards on top of the structure and aaron he seems to be enjoying it because he's like oh i don't have to fill any ledgers no boring patrols and i can just smash the machines so and once he destroys the uh the scroungers he sees aloy and is distracted just enough for a bristleback to hit him i'm like dude how could you be distracted by like i mean those things are huge they're loud like, yeah they're huge <laughs> and loud you know, so, uh, but he manages to escape to the top where the other heart hurt Osram is. And this is our first fight with a bristleback. It's actually two bristlebacks, but it's more of a tutorial on chain reactions because one of the reasons they wanted you to get those acid arrows was because, I mean, a major change from Zero Dawn to Forbidden West is that now you can, if you shoot an element, with the same element, it causes a chain reaction and it explodes. So if you shoot the acid canister on a bristleback, uh, then it will blow up and, and you know basically acid the bristleback right like it changes the status of the bristleback. And I mean it's, it causes a massive amount of damage to the bristleback. Uh, it only has like twenty percent of their health left after the fact. Well, I feel so. like it was less health for me. But it was like I, 20% for me. Yeah, because you're playing on hard. I only had to hit it with a couple of arrows. Yeah. So, and after that, a scrounger shows up and then you kill the bristleback. Now, I will say this about the chain reaction thing. Later on in the game, I mean, if you, especially if you, unless you don't use it, it almost becomes, I don't want to say a non factor, but let's say you have bristlebacks, right? Or a machine that you, that has like exposed, like easily exposed, uh, canisters in Horizon Zero Dawn. If you kept killing a machine the same way over and over again, it would evolve and protect itself from trying to be get killed that way. Mm-hmm. What happens in this game is that those canisters will be protected by outer layer, so you have uh... to knock off the outer layer from the canister, and then you can set the canister up, or you could just use one of the other tools to beat the crap out of. You know, whatever the, uh, whatever machine it is. So, uh, yeah, it definitely becomes like I had that happen. I forget, I forget what type of machine it was, but I definitely know it was a frost canister and I shot the frost canister and it didn't have a chain reaction. It just hit it. And then the machine was like, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've done that. Now that I think about it, I've done that. 
I will say though, like acid arrows, I didn't realize how strong, not just arrows, but I didn't realize at this point how strong acid was. Oh yeah. But acid, acid is, is fantastic. Ooh, acid is a fantastic all game long. Like if you don't know what to do to a machine, acid. As long as as long as it's not like like strong to acid, acid. Like just because it'll knock the armor off. You're fighting humans, don't even bother with fire. Acid. You know what like, though? You know, sometimes when machines are weak or strong to acid, sometimes if I have like an acid like bomb that does like splash damage, I'll still acid it because if it gets Acid did acid Stat- acid status. Let's, acid, let's just say. There we go. That's the word. Uh, you it, have to. Still- I really wish this was a video podcast because she was having a malfunction. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was having a malfunction. Acidated. Um, <laughs> its armor burns off anyway, so it's still more effective. That's true. It. That's just like things that were With the frost. in the previous game things yeah. that were strong to frost it's like no they're still weak to frost everything is weak to frost yeah. <laughs> you know every because acid, the way frost works as it has become the new frost and fire mixed into one yes exactly it definitely it definitely has so uh and i'm just like they i'm kind of glad they gave that to you early cuz you didn't mm-hmm. even get you didn't even get frost that early Mm-mm. Like the reason I had frost as early as I did is because I knew how OP it was in the game. Like yeah. I purposefully went looking for frost stuff because I'm like I know how this is gonna go. And then the rope caster, like because I I never used the rope caster on my first playthrough. Finding out that the rope caster was also OP <laughs> is just fantastic, <laughs> you know. Uh, but in this game, they kind of give it to you pretty early with the acid. So now, um. You know, you finally get a, talk, a chance to talk to Aaron, and he's pretty banged up, and he wants to know why you're there. And she tells him that she needs to the embassy to happen so she can head west, and tells him about the remaining threat about Hades and kind of about Gaia, you know, the, the, the terraforming system. She's like, you know, I just have more work to do. And even though he's banged up, he tells Aloy, he's like, oh, I'm, I can, I'll help whatever I can. You know, it'll be like old times. I'm like, what, six months ago? <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> old and, times yeah. that they had for like two weeks. Six months yeah, ago. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Aloy, she pulls the, well, I need to do this alone card. You know, that's what she does. And Aaron Tone changes. He's like, yeah, figures, you know, you know, uh, he's like, yeah, right. You do everything alone. And then, you know, Aaron tells her that she wants the embassy to happen. And she needs to get Vuadis to Baron Light. And she's like, okay, well, I'll clear the bristlebacks and get them there. And at, I forget exactly when it happens. At some point during the conversation, the vanguard that's up top, that I'm pretty. I actually forgot about. He's like, "Hey, I hate to break up the romance, but I'm pretty <laughs> bad, banged up here, uh, you know." And he's like, "Okay, I'm coming." And so as Aloy goes to leave, that's when the tension kind of. Uh, that's when it kind of starts. I'll clear the Valley of Bristlebacks, then send Wadis to Baron Light. I'll catch up with you there. Well, I guess that's sort of like a goodbye. I'm sorry. You sorry? <laughs> yeah, that'd be a first. Where is this coming from? Hey, just, you know, forget it, yeah. It's nothing. It sounds like something. All right, fine. Now, after the battle at the Spire, you you took off. You left without so much as a handshake. I mean, people like me, we fought and bled at your side, Aloy. You just just disappear? What kind of person does that? Erend, I left when I did, how I did, for a reason. A good one. Oh, thanks for sharing. Listen to me. Life on Earth is in danger, and only I can save it. 
What are you talking about? Exactly what I just said. Everything living is going to die unless I... fix a piece of technology created by the old ones. And time's running out. Well, I... Yeah, I guess that's the reason, all right. Uh, I'm an idiot. Errand! By the forge. Yeah, I guess that's my cue. Maybe I should go with you to Baron Light. No, no, hey, you're, you're needed elsewhere, obviously. We'll make it without you. So Aaron is upset that she got up and left after the Battle of Meridian, and he says that they fought and bled by her side, and she just left. And I'm like, that is a very valid point. That's what we keep kind of coming back to. Yep. That she just, like, you know, got up and, and left. And this is, you get, you know, you have some Flashpoint responses. So which one did you go with? I... Definitely went with the compassion, the one that said someone had no, uh, someone who had no other choice. Because I, un- I get it. Like, I get why he's mad. She kind of just was like, no, I'm out. And now that she's back, same thing that happened with Petra. She's like, uh, I just, I just need to keep moving forward. Like, I got to do this by myself. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, she, she actually apologized to Aaron in that one. It's the only one where she apologizes, I, I think. She, she says, she doesn't apologize. She doesn't say, I'm sorry, I did wrong. She said, I'm sorry that your feelings were hurt, basically, though. So, like, she does that half apology. Um, right. Like, I'm sorry that it wasn't easy for you when I left. <laughs> she said it nicely <laughs> but it wasn't a full apology but yeah she apologizes and she's like you know but the life on earth is going to be destroyed and there's no machine or bad guy to kill which like there's always a machine or bad guy to kill so when she always. said that line i was like really <laughs> exactly and exactly she can't explain what she has to do because to be fair it's she tried with varl and it didn't do much <laughs> That's true, but like she's not like. But she's not trying. She's not Varl. Well, she's not trying, and he's not Varl. Like right. you know, like they're not the same person. He's an Osram. He's like, yeah, machine. Yeah, we're we're all about machines, right? <laughs> you know. So she doesn't really know. She's not even really giving him a chance because Aaron says to let him help, and she's like, I can't because you know I can't even explain it to you. So, and he's like, I go, well, go so much for being useful, you know. Uh, so I chose someone who had a good reason, and. So Aloy explains that everyone on Earth will die if she doesn't fix a piece of technology created by the old ones. That's her official explanation. But before that, she doesn't explain it very well. She's like, all life on Earth will come to an end and I'm the only one that can stop it. And that just sounds like crazy talk. You know, that's why Aaron is like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, that's his response. Like, what are you talking about? And then she explains, well, I got to fix this piece of technology. And Aaron's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And, And then he says, you know, we'll make it the Baron Light. Now, um... The last one, the the aggressive one is, you know, someone who doesn't have time for this. And she says uh, that she says like someone who feels like saving the world is more important than your feelings getting hurt. Yeah, that's what that's what she says. And uh, that that one sounds just more narcissistic. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I got to save the world. I don't care about your feelings. Like, you know, right. That sounds about a bit more narcissistic. And she says that's what she's been doing this whole time. And, you know, Aaron backs down. You know, uh, now the highlight of all three flashpoints, and you wouldn't know this unless you go back and watch them like I had to, 
At some point during each flashpoint, the other vanguard who's still up top, he's like, Aaron, by the forge. Like, you know, he's, he's trying to get his attention. But he does it in a different tone for each flashpoint. Really? <laughs> yeah, he does it. It's a different tone for each flashpoint. But like, he's just like, dude, come on. <laughs> it, it's a funny interaction. So, uh, yeah, but <clears throat> with that, that, that's when that conversation ends and. She goes to handle the bristlebacks. And that's actually where we're going to stop this episode. And on the next episode, we're going to clear out the bristlebacks and make it to Baron Light. Eh, maybe go a little bit further. No guarantees. I, I, I don't know yet. <laughs> but uh, that's what the, 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 the plan is. So, Christina, how are you feeling about like you know, where, where we've been so far? Like, What are your thoughts at this point in the game? Uh, watching back the gameplay was very embarrassing. After really? after playing for how long that I have now, I'm asking all these. I couldn't use concentration. I didn't know what button it was because I I was I played on mouse and keyboard, so I had no oh, idea true. what the yeah, controls yeah. were. So it was very it's a very clunky start. But I was very excited to see Petra and Aaron because, like I said, the last characters that they showed us felt like like uh Uthid and Vinasha and stuff felt like they just kind of shoved them in our face to be happy. Yeah. And then these characters, I was like, oh, okay, these seem like they're going to be here for a bit and they have a big part to play. So at this point I was very excited to just continue overwhelmed because there's like a bunch of new things, but excited to see where the story was going. Right. Yeah. I mean Vinasha and Uthid really just feel like fan service, like to yeah. a degree. <laughs> like they're Absolutely. just kind of shoved in there. But Petra, she has a purpose. You yes. know, she has a, a purpose being there. So, you know, that's nice. Uh, yeah, for me, I'm like, I'm, I'm just happy to be back in the open world. But as I'm looking at the map, I'm like, okay, this is the new embrace. <laughs> you know, oh, this absolutely. is absolutely, yeah. This is definitely the new embrace. Like they just they they cut you off from the rest of the of the world here because there is a hard stop. You cannot get past a certain point. In here, past this, there is one more point that you might feel like is a hard stop. But once you actually open the map up, there are two ways to get past it. So if you wanted to, once you're past the daunt, you can explore the entire rest of the map if you wanted to. I wouldn't recommend it, but you could. I wouldn't either. (laughs) I I wouldn't (laughs) recommend it, but you could. Um, Because, yeah, like I would definitely say. You don't like this is not like Zero Dawn. Like Zero Dawn, I had the entire map unlocked probably halfway through the game. Halfway through the mm-hmm. game, the entire map for me was was unlocked. And oh. I guess it maybe if you're depending on how much you're like, you know, doing side missions and side activities, like if you're doing everything an area has to offer before you move forward, you probably can level up enough that you can explore the entire map if you really want to. I mean, at this point, I feel like at this point, I was pretty much done with Zero Dawn, actually, and I am not done with this game. But I was going to say I'd have the map completely unlocked, but I still have places like in the early areas that I just haven't fully unlocked. Like right. there's still foam or fog. There you go. That's the F word I wanted. <laughs> there's still yeah, fog there's still on the fog map. There. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, this is definitely the new, new, uh, embrace Mm -hmm. and once we get done with this this area that don't i do want to talk about pacing i think i mentioned that last time because 
the pacing is definitely very different from Zero Dawn. And not just because the game is longer. But, you know, we'll get into that. But I'm just happy to be out in the open world, you know, to a, to a degree now. Like my 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 open world baby pen, like the embrace. embrace. Yeah. So. And, and it was exciting to see all of the new things. As overwhelmed as I was, it was exciting to see all of the new things. Yes. And how yes, pretty. So. Even on PS4, just like how pretty everything was and how everything is interacting with everything else it was just it, it impressed was my first reaction yes i will i will definitely say so even though i do think the embrace had a larger selection of machines to fight than the than the daunt i might be wrong but i might have to recap that but i do think it had a larger selection of machines i think that though this area was pretty because not pretty but it looked good because you could climb up and see over barren light like you could see past to the other side yeah. so it was really cool to see how far you could see and how cool everything looks but the embrace looked so much better like it this was just like desert there was like no diversity in the landscape that you were in whereas the embrace had a bunch of different looking areas that you could go in that is and true. Machines like, and you know, the embrace was definitely a lot more fleshed out, I think, as far as beginning that. areas go. All right. So I want to thank everybody for listening. If you want to keep up with what's going on with this show and the Mashes Buzz Network, you can follow us on Twitter.com slash the Mash Network. Christina, where can I find you? You can find me at S'mores Pop Tart on Twitter and Twitch. And if you're listening to this episode as soon as it comes out, I'm still streaming. Forbidden West. I forgot the name of the, the game. I'm still streaming Forbidden <laughs> West, so you can still you can catch me doing that. I'm also the host of another podcast on the network called Wondrous Tales, where we talk about Final Fantasy 14 content. And you can find me on Twitter at Jostradamus, and you can also find me streaming sometimes on Twitch.tv slash Mash Those Buttons. Uh, and I'm actually now that I, I'm actually done with the main game, I'll probably actually start streaming me trying to prepare and get ready for the arena. So. Uh, yeah, I will probably start streaming that more frequently. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, we love to hear what you have to say about the show and about the game. You know, we'd love for you to contact us with your comments and questions. So, you know, feel free to join us on Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. And we have uh, channels there for Horizon Zero Dawn and Forbidden West. Uh, you can also contact us on Twitter or if you want to just email us at contact at mash.gg. Uh, if you want to help us out, one of the best ways to do that is to share the show with others and also rate and review uh the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice if you want to take a support of it further you can do so at mtp.gg slash support you can see all ways you can support matches buttons including a, a patreon we just redid the tiers and uh we have like a i think like a two dollar general support tier our other tiers are aimed at our other shows that like our, our longer running shows but we do have like a a general support tier for like two dollars a month oh we do have a teespring store which is teespring.com slash store slash smash those buttons uh, we have Twitch subscriptions if you want to subscribe to our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. A Humble Bundle affiliate links, uh, which when you buy a game from the Humble Bundle store, if you've never bought a game from the Humble Bundle store, it actually just gives you a code for one of your other favorite launches. So it'll give you a Steam code or Epic Game Store code or a Uplay Store code. Uh, so it's not like you need a launcher from the Humble Store. And there's also just one-time PayPal donations as well. And I encourage you guys to stay tuned after the show to hear more about mash those buttons. And with that, we are done for this episode. We will see you on the next one. Bye.
Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 